0: I love how she says, I'm so undercover. Love you, Miley. <laughs> and, and, oh, how about this one? Oh, MG. So cool. <laughs> this is Movie Bite, a weekly show where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, culture, and more. The show is hosted by me. I'm TJ Draper. And I'm joined by my co host, Joseph Darnell. Hey, T.J. Hey, Joseph. How's it going?
1: It's going wonderful. I feel like electricity is running up and down my spine because this episode is different from all the others.
0: Yes, this is our first uh, live broadcast episode. Those of you who are not listening to the live broadcast, you'll be getting this a day later. We're recording. It's November 28th at 636, actually. We're just a few minutes late getting started on Wednesday, and uh, we're recording live. We're, We're broadcasting it live for the people to listen to.
1: It's kind of exciting because before our listening audience would get it a whole day later or hours later, whatever. But now um, the audience can engage with us. And that is why live broadcasting is so important. If you care to listen to the live broadcast tonight or in the future and you join us for that, then we can chat it up you can uh, write us some uh, chat messages on the live feed and we will read what you've shared with us. And we will probably try to engage with you if you have questions or insights about a movie or topic that we would love to cover. I mean, that's, that's what this is all about. I I love the movie discussion and this makes it possible.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, the chat is not set up the way I want yet. I'm going to get a chat embedded Uh, on the live page of MovieByte, moviebyte.com slash live. But right now we're using the live chat for Mixler, the service we're using to broadcast live. And it's not great. It's not easy to find. And so if you have a hard time finding it, uh, you can go to mixler, M-I-X-L-R dot com slash moviebyte slash chat. I also have TweetBot open here with the uh, MovieByte account. And so if you want to tweet to us too, if if you're listening and you have something you want us to address or want to say something, you can tweet to at moviebyte. And I will get that and uh, respond to it.
1: Mm. Hey, right. are you tracking the time on this episode? I, I am. I don't have my timer. I <sighs> am. You are so prepared all the time.
0: I try to be. All right. Well, let's get started. You know, Joseph, there is something I'm a little kind of excited about. I'm, I'm, I'm not just a little excited about this, and it's because I'm a Star Trek geek, and okay. I also like uh, Lord of the Rings. And even though I'm a little irritated with the 48 frame per second stuff, which we've talked about that before, I won't get into that too much, I'm still excited to see The Hobbit. And guess what's coming with The Hobbit right in front of The Hobbit, right before we see The Hobbit. There are actually two things I'm excited about, but one I'm particularly excited about. What it's, is that? It's the Star Trek trailer <laughs> for J.J. Abrams' upcoming Star Trek film.
1: Oh, it's J.J. J. Abrams again.
0: Yes, yes, he's directing well, he's again.
1: Not, okay, so he, is he producing it too? Uh, like he I did would did the assume, other one, I guess? I would assume so, yeah. So Okay, th- that's sort of the way about him. Okay.
0: Yeah, yep. So, I'm, I'm very excited to see what they have in store for us. And I feel like the last Star Trek film, though I, it certainly was not my favorite by any means, uh, it's still cool because... I don't know. It's just it's just cool. I I appreciated some things that he did. There are some things I didn't appreciate. But I feel like this film now, now that we've 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 done the duty and the due diligence to set up this new universe of Star Trek and kind of reboot it, and now we can actually just go into the meat and potatoes with this new Star Trek film. I'm hoping that's what this film's about. So uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what he brings to the screen, and I'm really excited to see the trailer. And, and The Hobbit will have a trailer that you will like more than I will, but I'll, I'll like it too. It'll be great, is the Man of Steel trailer.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I'm looking forward to J.J. Abrams' work on Star Trek in general also. Something I really appreciated about the previous film, it was J.J. Abrams' very definitive touch. It just, it was very much him. And it's not often that we've seen J.J. Abrams touch upon comedy or interweaving some comedic ideas into his films or his TV shows. But this film really demonstrated the kind of brand of comedy that J.J. Uh, Abrams is able to add to something. And typically, Star Trek films are not comedic at times, but I think it really helps to liven it up in his particular case because it distinguishes them These newer films from the past films, they could so often get dry and so dry that they felt at times um, way too pretentious and way too full of themselves. They they relegated themselves to a very narrow niche sci-fi fanboy audience. And I'm not concerned with what the general audience thinks, but in this particular case, I happen to agree with them. That you know, Star Trek was great before because it was renowned and and maybe artistic and maybe groundbreaking in the form of their television shows. But more often than not, the movies were just too dry or too ambitious and they would fall flat. Mm. This particular one, <laughs> while being kind of, uh, I mean, okay, I'm, I guess I'm talking about the first J.J. Uh, Abrams film. I felt like it added a lot of humanity to it by adding the comedic side of their universe um even things that were not blatantly intended as you know jokes or whatever um i felt made it very human and i could appreciate that um what yeah, do you call I that guess, maybe uh, an evolution of the show i guess
0: yeah i i can see that um y- you know i i it's <laughs> I'm a little bit of a Star Trek geek, so it's hard for me to look and, and agree with you in, in in what you say. And I still feel like there have been better Trek films, but I yeah, wasn't yeah. I wasn't in completely general. unhappy with Abrams, and so uh, you know I'm 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 excited for this.
1: I think he has room to grow. It was just a icebreaker. Um, I think that he may be doing something that's a better overarching story for all the characters, whereas oftentimes the other movies they didn't really do anything to explore a greater ambitious life story to the main characters. And I'm excited to see what Abrams will do. So the trailer, uh, to be honest, I'm just as excited about the star Trek trailer as I am about the man of steel one because steel. Oh dude, I I don't understand how you cannot be excited about this one. This has got Christopher Nolan and Zack Snyder behind it. And I know you may not be excited about Zack Snyder because of his other films.
0: Well, tell us some of the other films that he's done, Joseph.
1: He did three hundred, and he's also responsible for Sucker Punch. Okay, I'm, uh, he I'm was not the really. I, both.
0: I, I can't speak to either of those. So
1: I, I can speak to both. Uh, Sucker Punch was disappointing, although very dramatic and very artistic. Um, but then uh, three hundred was equally artistic and dramatic, but it was groundbreaking, although it wasn't necessarily an earth shatteringly great film. I think that Zack Snyder is just a bundle full of creative juices mm. that he, he is bringing to Hollywood films that no one else had the nerve to do. Um, he's sort of like the Quentin Tarantino of this generation. Um, he's just, uh, and I'm not saying he's actually younger than Tarantino. I don't know if Zach is or not. I just think that his brand of creativity is the equivalent of the Tarantino for our generation. Um, and with him together with Christopher Nolan, I think that they I have no idea what to expect because Nolan by himself I would not be comfortable with in trusting a Superman film. But with Zach and this guy, I don't know. It just seems like they will probably sharpen each other and balance each other out so that we get something that doesn't feel like a Batman movie and doesn't feel like Sucker Punch but feels like it breathes new life into the Superman franchise.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, you and I are of differing opinions on the previous Superman film, but in any event, I'm excited to see new Superman coming to the screen. And it, you know, I, I have the feeling that it's, it it really is going to be something that's completely new and, and, and sort of like the Batman reboot, uh, that, that I enjoyed so much. And, and, and as you said, Chris Nolan is there producing and behind the scenes. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be good. There's, there's a lot, lot of reasons for me to get out to the theater to see The Hobbit now. <laughs> so, speaking speaking of The Hobbit, uh, I posted—when uh, did I post that? Was that today? No, that was Monday. Um, I posted the uh, production video number nine from The Hobbit, uh, kind of showing just the craziness. It looks like it's just as crazy. I'm sure you've watched, Joseph, as I have, some of the special features from The Lord of the Rings on the extended editions and you know saw peter jackson and his harried crew talking about trying to get those films to theater right y- you've seen that yeah and and it looks like this is this is the same way i mean they're they're <laughs> they're working right now more than likely and they certainly were when this video was made uh the film is not finished and they're trying to get it finished and they've only got a few more days really when you think about it i mean i i know a little bit about you know making a film and i've you know i'm an editor and I cannot imagine trying to finish up a film to get it to a theater still on November 28th <laughs> uh, for a December 14 release.
1: <laughs> Something I really appreciated about this particular production video was how they accounted for this film in comparison to the production of the Lord of the Rings films. Um, each of those films were exceptionally large undertakings. They, yeah. they when you watch the six hours or plus Uh, number of hours of making of material for each installment of a Lord of the Rings film from the Blu-ray or, you know, special edition DVD sets, you get that these were massive undertakings that, you know, shook studios and were engrossing for the lives of these filmmakers, the, the crew, the principal photographers, but perhaps even more so, For those back at this production studios that were doing work behind the scenes and this this production video number nine for the Hobbit is no exception to this. What they do is they compare it to the work done on Lord of the Rings and they point out that there are many many more things they have to complete for this first Hobbit movie than any of the special effects um, of the Lord of the Rings films. They, they have more special effects shots. They have more things to do. And that flabbergasts me because I, when we were watching the Lord of the Rings movies, um, and TJ, I'd love to know what you think. When I was watching the Lord of the Rings movies years ago, I thought to myself, you know, uh, uh, what did the, where did this come from? I looked into its background. You know, it's from this guy by Tolkien. Okay, what else has he written pertaining to that Middle Earth universe? Oh, okay, he's done other stuff. Oh, that's interesting. And one of those things, other things I came across was The Hobbit. Oh, okay, what's that about? And then I learned what the story of The Hobbit was about, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, Lord of the Rings is the is the serious story. That is a huge epic tale and the hobbit is less or so it's serious but not as much it's a big story but not as much and by looking at the fruit of their labors for the hobbit i'm just astounded that they can spend more time and effort on that, this new trilogy than they could on the past one
0: yeah yeah uh, yeah i mean i uh you know i i was never into the books like uh, like it sounds like you were um you know, really? Yeah. Did you not read them? I've I've never I've started to read The Hobbit and then I just never finished it. I just I'm in a stage in my life where it's hard for me to, to read and finish books. Um, my wife is really into it and it's you uh, know it sounds like you are. But the movies you. the movies have been awesome. So
1: uh, well, I, don't, I don't know what you. else
0: Seriously. to say. <laughs> you kind of put me on the spot there. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I I guess you you're but you're familiar with the premise of The Hobbit.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it is one story. And what they're doing is they're breaking this one story into three movies, whereas Lord of the Rings was six stories that are sometimes segmented into three. So it kind of made sense how it was broken up into a trilogy. And the Hobbit was a children's story, whereas the Lord of the Rings by Tolkien's point of view was considered more adult intelligent in depth fiction. So I'm really, I, I'm just overwhelmed by whatever it is they're putting into this movie. I sure hope that they're not overdoing it. And two, I am super impressed by their dedication because as, as you watch this production video, the thing that stuck out to me were that these guys are dog tired. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm so glad I'm not a part of that production. Yeah, uh, I'm so thankful for what they're doing, because it's going to make my Christmas.
0: (laughs) I put the link to this video in the uh, show notes. You, uh, If you're listening live, you can't get to the show notes, because uh, we haven't made the podcast, posted the podcast yet. But I have put it into the show notes, and I posted that link into the chat. But you will be able to find the show notes once we go live at moviebyte.com slash moviebyte. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm... Tongue-tied here, moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 20. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) And that's where you'll find the show notes.
1: Okay, so so, uh, the next topic we have up on uh, this episode is the Blockbuster that we all know and used once upon a time has got a magazine.
0: Yeah, Uh, now now uh, you wrote this article. Tell us a little bit about what's going on here with Blockbuster. Are they losing their minds or, or what's going on here?
1: Okay, well, real quick. Um, uh, there's a few people that may not know what Blockbuster is or not be aware of their significance. <laughs> um, and, and and there's a lot of young people that are introduced to movies and renting their own movies for themselves every day. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you went to a video rental store where they had these things called VHS tapes.
0: What are those, and, Joseph? Tell What uh, are those? Oh,
1: shoot. That stood for <laughs> Video High Definition... Uh, I don't know. TJ, if Flabberg asked me, what did VHS stand for?
0: I can tell you what they were. I don't know what it stood for. Uh, okay.
1: Well, they were these big vi- old things that vidi- looked like cassette tapes, but I- they were about five times larger. Here you go. Video Home System. decks called v- VCRs.
0: Yeah. Video Home System is what that stands for. Okay. I found that on on the source of all knowledge, Wikipedia, and I'll put that in the show
1: notes as well. VHS on, on that note, that doesn't even sound like it's appropriate for what, for what it is. Anyway, video cassettes is what sometimes people would call them. Right. And uh, you could rent them at Blockbuster. And that was the original way that people would access rentals for movies anywhere. And it was uh, a huge success. Blockbuster was actually started by someone that is related to someone that knows someone I am personally related to. And um, that was a very uh, smart entrepreneur that got into it when he did and uh, succeeded oh so well. I think he was also involved in Dunkin' Donuts at one time. But anyway, he sold sold this entrepreneur. He ended up selling the company uh, like about 10 years ago. But uh, Blockbuster was the go-to source. There was nothing before Blockbuster. Blockbuster was it and they were good at it for a great number of years. And then the internet took over, Uh, Netflix uh, came along and whooped them hard. And then there was Hulu, there was cable, satellite television, you name it. And Blockbuster uh, year after year became marginalized. And so all their, well, most all of their retail stores in my part of town were shutting down. And now apparently they still have retail stores open. They also have uh, machines kind of like red boxes, only they're blue boxes. And that might be where most people are familiar with them. Still, I think that there's probably enough people out there who know the Blockbuster name. It's probably a house.
0: Oh, who who doesn't? Come on. Seriously, who doesn't know what Blockbuster (laughs) is? Seriously. I mean, it's not that old. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, well, maybe for the interests of our future listeners, they can appreciate what I just regurgitated. Um, but Blockbuster has this magazine thing now, and they're trying to be on the cusp of technology. They're trying to be engaging in the culture, and I respect that. So I downloaded this free magazine to, uh, to see what this is all about. It's a, it is an e-magazine. It only runs on the iPhone, uh, iPod Touch, and iPad at this time using Newsstand which is an Apple product. So you have to have one of these devices to get it to work. And it works like all the other magazines on there. It's got a few original article pieces and a lot of ads to boot to, uh, to bring it to you for free. And in the second issue, they have an interview exclusive with Andrew Garfield of the amazing Spider-Man. They also have some other interviews with various people who've played James Bond in the past films, you know, you know, Keep you know, being timely as it relates to the new Daniel Craig film Skyfall. Um, it's interesting. I just don't see why we need one more entertainment outlet like Blockbusters Magazine. I th- I think all the more power to them if they can stay alive and keep competing with Netflix. I want them to. Well, I want more competition for Netflix and Amazon Prime. What do you think?
0: Well, let me quote from the article that you uh, you, you quoted from in your article. Okay. from the un- the unofficial Apple web blog. Uh, I think this kind of sums it up. It says, they must be pretty far down the idea list over at Blockbuster Video because this one certainly appeared out of left field. <laughs> Suddenly appeared out of left field. The video chain rental... Boy, I'm bad at reading tonight. The video rental chain has released, of all things, an iPad-based digital magazine. I just... I, 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 it just I, doesn't I, <laughs> have it because what, it doesn't you, fit their what? business model. <laughs> What is it? Who, whose idea was that? Whose bright idea was that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, it just doesn't seem to help them at all. Because at the end of the day, if I become more aware of the Amazon, I mean, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, it doesn't mean that I'm going to go rent it from Blockbuster. I'm going to go back to uh, you know my Netflix account and I'm going to add it to my queue.
0: Yeah, I, I just <laughs> whatever. All right, I've got nothing more to say. That's just dumb.
1: Sure. Now, you really, really, the the most important topic of today's show is coming up next. Ah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You really wanted to talk about this, TJ. (laughs) No,
0: actually, I didn't. Well, I do, but only insofar (laughs) as it's the stupidest thing I may have seen this year, okay? Um, I posted this yesterday. Uh, It's a trailer for a movie called So Undercover, and it stars none other than... uh, Teen pop singer Miley Cyrus.
1: It's okay, dumb. That, it's that, really that, that,
0: dumb. Let, let me let me read you a couple of comments on the YouTube. I, I posted. It was a YouTube video that I posted uh, on the it's on the, the site. trailer
1: of So Undercover starring right. Miley Cyrus. Right,
0: and it's YouTube. It's the trailers on YouTube. Here's some of the comments. Just a couple of gems from the comments on that trailer. I love how she says, "I'm so undercover. Love you, Miley." <laughs> and and oh, how about this one? Omg! So cool. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, but, but
1: <sighs> Miley Cyrus—it's it, just a continuation of her television program ter- <laughs> turned into a two-hour-long film and shown in theaters.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and and she uh,
1: it, college style.
0: It, it looks like a rip-off of *Miss Congeniality*. Am I? I'm not. Surely, I'm not the only one that thought this.
1: Oh, don't give it that much credit.
0: Oh, a bad rip-off. A bad rip-off of miscongeniality. Congeniality. Seriously, the, the trailer is good for laughs, though. That's kind of why I posted it.
1: <sighs> you know, I, I just... Yeah, I, I think that... there's I have nothing against Cyrus as a person, but this is... This is not filmmaking I want to watch, or <laughs> I not want to share with anybody or discuss. It, it's is sad. It's pathetic. The reason it's worth talking about is just how bad it is. It's horrible. Who
0: who would watch this? Who would really watch? I guess I guess all the teenage girls would watch this.
1: Yeah, yeah. The trailer is is worth it just for a few laughs. Yeah. it's it's like American Pie meets Nancy Drew. It's just why. Why, Miley?
0: <laughs> that link is also in the show notes. Go watch it for fun. It's all it's worth.
1: <laughs> all right. So, then uh, next up, we have Matthew Vaughn is confirmed as the director of the next Star Wars movie, episode well, seven.
0: Most sort of confirmed, like it was not confirmed by the studio. It was sort of leaked. Uh, Let me pull up the story
1: here and I'll... Filmophilia, after lots of speculation, rumors, declines, and debunks, Star Wars Episode Seven appears to have finally gotten a director. What happened is Jason Fleming confirmed Matthew Vaughn's involvement in the project while on the red carpet for Seven Psychopaths. I think that that's confirmation enough. You're right, it's not from the studios, but... I think that we have the director here.
0: Well, he he really, did you watch the video? Did you click through and watch the video on filmophilia?
1: I watched a piece of it.
0: Yeah, he 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 let it slip. Like he didn't realize that it wasn't common knowledge and he just sort of, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm good. I'm good friends with Matthew and so I'm sure I'll be getting a call. We'll be talking about Star Wars 7." And then they go, "Oh, is Matthew interested in directing?" And you could see he was like, "Oh, uh uh yeah, sure. That's what it was." <laughs> So yeah, it, it does seem like confirmation, and I'm sure that uh, he's going to get a little slap on the wrist for that.
1: Now, but, who is uh, Jason Fleming? What, what is his involvement?
0: Uh well, he uh, he was a, it was totally unrelated. He's, I guess he's just friends with Matthew Vaughn, and he's been he was in the movie. Uh, was he in Seven Seven Psychopaths, or he was just there for the premiere or something? Yeah, uh, I'm looking up his IMDb profile so that I can tell you. Uh, here's what, what I, all here's
1: what we know about Matthew Vaughn. Um, he he is a. Uh, an experienced film director. I won't say that he is necessarily an exceptional one or anything like that. There's nothing from his track record that you say, Ooh, that's a good director. He did blah. You know, no, he didn't. Um, the things he has done are, uh, lesser known films and some pop films that didn't pay off as well as they might have. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I, I, I cannot say that I have, a no vote of confidence in episode seven. Well, uh, but it, because in the but the I mean, like I'm not crazy about this director, but okay, he has a relationship with Disney Pictures, um, and Disney now owns Lucasfilm. I get that, so they're going to look from their own, their own. But here's their the thing. own he, people.
0: He did one film that I really liked, which was Stardust. I really liked that film. The X Men First Class wasn't horrible, and he he did that one. Here's the connection with Jason Fleming um jason fleming was in stardust which uh which uh, matthew vaughn directed and he was also he uh, azazel in x-men first class so uh, that's his connection to matthew vaughn and i i think he's been in a few other films of matthew Vaughn as well that i'm not familiar with
1: yeah but see here's the difference between a movie like x-men first class and a movie of the star wars franchise i want to see S- x-men first class in the neighborhood of three times in my lifetime. Once to watch it in theaters, once to share it with my immediate family, and maybe one day to watch it again with friends in the future or with my grandchildren. But with a Star Wars movie, my hopes and dreams are that I will watch them countless times. And I don't feel inspired to do that with matthew vaughn as the director it doesn't well, mean that i we, won't
0: let, let's give him let's let's give him let's cut him a little slack here he may be good let's let's yeah. just wait let's reserve judgment
1: yeah, no, the down reason boy cut,
0: down boy
1: the reason i will cut him some slack though is because i have a lot of faith in the screenwriter
0: uh yeah, that, remind that, me remind me of the name
1: um we we shared his link a couple of weeks ago
0: i know remind me of the name
1: I'm thinking about it. I'm looking, I'm scouring the internets to find out who he is. Uh, Brad bird won't direct, uh, episode finished story by the toy story three writer. Yes. Here we go. Michael art. Oh, right. 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 Okay. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Michael art who has a track record of good film work that he's done for Pixar involving toy story films. And he has several other good films. He's been a part of, uh, Tom Cruise's uh, sci-fi thriller *Oblivion*. He's been. He is also in the works on *Hunger Games* sequel *Catching Fire*. Um, because of Michael Arndt, I still have some faith for this next episode of *Star Wars*.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance. I, I still figure that it can't be worse than the prequels. It just can't. It's just not. I mean, it's sure. It could. I use air quotes. I know you can't see me. Sorry. Uh, it could. I saw them. Okay, <laughs> but. Uh, how, how likely is it to be worse? Not very. Certainly not worse than the first prequel. Oh, my goodness. All right. Anyway, we need to move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, TJ, you're, you're telling me uh, in other news, you, you shared with me uh, that you have seen Psycho for the first time, the original by Alfred Hitchcock.
0: I did. And the reason I did was because I thought, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go see Hitchcock. And I need to know, I need to have watched Psycho because the movie is kind of about, Hitchcock is kind of about Hitchcock making Psycho.
1: Yeah, and, when you say you're going to go see Hitchcock, you don't mean other Hitchcock movies. You mean the new movie about Alfred Hitchcock himself, correct? Starring Anthony movie, Hopkins, Hitch, uh, and, Psycho, yeah. right?
0: Starring Anthony Hopkins and uh, uh, Jessica Biel and uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. Yes. So I was I was going to go see that, and somehow I don't know what was wrong with my reading comprehension or or whatever. But you you had the same problem because we both said we were going to talk about uh, Hitchcock on this episode. It's not available for wide release. It's not available anywhere. I've looked everywhere, up and down, tried to find it in theater somewhere. I've tried to find out uh, when it's coming to wide release. No information is available. It's really frustrating.
1: It is very, because uh, everything I have uh, at my disposal, you know, all these uh, location-based movie apps, they all told me, hey, you're going to be able to see this movie this weekend, come that weekend. It's not showing anywhere.
0: Yeah, it's not showing anywhere. Now the good yeah. news is, uh, just as just a quick side trail. Um, I have lined up, uh, assuming that she will be available. Uh, she, she basically told me she will come be on the podcast if she is in her hometown near her mic. Uh, so hopefully we're going to have a, a special guest to talk about Hitchcock. She's a big Hitchcock fan, and I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, she does uh, a show called Geek Friday on 5x5, uh, Faith Corpy. So I hope, I hope we can get her lined up. I hope that works out. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, I did watch Psycho, and so that, that was interesting. Uh, what did you think? Cer- well, I could certainly see how it pushed the boundaries for a 1960s film.
1: Okay, uh, but wait a minute. Put yourself back in the 1960s <laughs> and think to yourself what that film would have meant to you if you had been there.
0: It's so hard for me to do because I was born way after the 60s. Uh, okay, well, then in-
1: imagine you've never seen any other more epic uh, you know, thriller films in your life. What did you think?
0: I guess I wondered what the point of the film was.
1: What? Come on.
0: Yeah, That's I'm sorry. a classic,
1: TJ. I know
0: it's a classic, but I the virtual still...
1: slap across so, both okay, sides but of but so
0: face. is 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I've also recently watched, and I wondered what the point of that was, too. Why Why was it a classic? Why does it deserve the status? I, I didn't understand.
1: Well, but there's a difference here. Uh, the Psycho was critically acclaimed and very popular with audiences, and it warranted many remakes and sequels. Uh, Two thousand one Space Odyssey has a lot of critical acclaim, and a lot of people will uh, r- will you know remind the whole wide world how groundbreaking the cinematography was and what it did for sci-fi as a genre. But with the Psycho film, it, it, many would argue. It is the best thriller by Hitchcock. And not only is it a very interesting film in and of itself, it's also interesting what it spurred on. And it's also interesting the production story behind it. that Hence, we have a movie. But that movie is worth watching over and over again. I mean, not like consecutively. I think you only... Uh, I don't want to go there. But I would not recommend watching that over and over again uh, in a short frame of time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a classic. I mean, I I find there to be a lot of substance to that film. You don't see it.
0: Uh, I mean, I can see, sure, there's some substance, but I wondered what the ultimate point was.
1: No, the ultimate point is, okay. Okay. So you're saying like at the end of the film, you kind of wish.
0: What was the takeaway? What was I watching the film for? (laughs) Who who, who was, who was I rooting for? What was supposed to happen? Why did, why did it happen? What happened? I, I didn't understand.
1: Okay, I, I have I think I, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'll speak for myself. I think the takeaway is you're rooting for justice. And 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 justice is the protagonist here, the invisible protagonist.
0: Okay, and, I can see
1: that. And be and yes, exactly. Your sense of justice is begging for it. And uh you just want to see justice served. And that is served by the end of the film. The protagonists, um, I, I guess I'm not going to spoil anything for most general audiences. The oh come
0: on, this is a film made in the 60s. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, I mean, you only saw it for the first time just now.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm behind the times.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, we all know that. But um, yeah. So uh, the 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 protagonists all dead. Justice was still served. That is. That in and of itself is quite a feat, if you think about it. That that that's a rarity in films that the protagonist can die, justice still served. We have a happy ending after all.
0: Yeah, and, I, I, I,
1: I grant you, happy doesn't I, mean the traditional sense of and they lived happily ever after. No, well, I mean, I mean, the, mean that how, there was peace.
0: <laughs> how much justice was served? This guy got away with murder. I mean, he didn't get away with it, but he didn't. I mean, like he. he He went to a mental institution or whatever. I don't know.
1: Well, if it hadn't been for the original Psycho, then we would never have discovered Christopher Nolan, who ultimately played the best Batman there ever was in cinema. So, there you go. Thank you, Alfred Hitchcock, for giving us Christopher – no, Christian – sorry, did I say Christopher Nolan? I meant Christian Bale. If it hadn't been for Alfred Hitchcock, we wouldn't have had Christian Bale.
0: How do you figure? Um, What am I missing? What connection am I missing here?
1: Oh, you don't know? Okay, uh, apparently not. American Psycho. Uh, Christian Bale played the psycho, and it was his performance that got him really discovered. It was his groundbreaking performance that it got it garnered a lot of attention. It boosted his career. Okay.
0: So,
1: yeah. Can you imagine a world without Christian Bale? No. And it, that would never have happened without the American Psycho.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's Psycho. That's I've, I've watched it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm still not that
1: impressed well i'm sorry i guess there's a lot i want to say about this movie maybe someday we'll come back to it we'll have to review it so we'll one of review these it. okay else to review
0: yeah sure um
1: stays that when that day comes that day that never comes
0: all right we want to mention uh before we move on to our two main discussions uh we want to mention a mini competition we're going to be launching uh we're launching it right now if you're listening to this we're launching a competition and that is this what we need from you our listeners is reviews and iTunes. We need ratings and we need reviews and we need for this podcast to get noticed. We need for people to start discovering it. And the way we do that is to get reviews and ratings and iTunes. And the more people that rate it and the more people that review it, the more visibility it'll have. And so what we're doing is this. If you leave us a four or five star rating and a review, because we can't see individual ratings, but if you leave a review, a written review, it can be a sentence, it can be we'd love for you to write, you know, a paragraph or a a book about us. But, you know, if you just leave a sentence and a rating of at least four stars, we would love five, uh, then you will be entered into a drawing and we will draw a name and announce it next week on episode 21. So, Please leave a review and uh, leave us a five star, four or five star rating. And uh, the now, now the drawing is for the Dark Knight Rises on Blu-ray, which is coming out uh, next week on December the fourth. So we know you want this uh, this Blu-ray because uh, who doesn't want the Dark Knight Rises on Blu-ray? I mean, that'd be awesome. I'd love to have it too. So uh, that's the competition, and uh, we'd love for you to leave us a rating. And uh, you know, that really is exciting. Yeah, I'm going to put the link. I just realized I need to put the link to this in the show notes uh, because uh, if you go to the iTunes store and search for (laughs) Movie bite, you can find us or uh, you can click the link uh, that I'm going to put in the show notes.
1: You know, it makes me just feel so cool that we can give away a cool giveaway like that.
0: Yeah. What did you say in our outline that I'm generous or something?
1: Yes, you are generous. Okay. Not to a fault, but to a special level of coolness.
0: There you go.
1: You you give, you give away cool movies. So that's neat. You know, the other giveaway that's still going on right now, TJ?
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that real quick.
1: Pretty exciting. Let me just really run through it. We've already announced it. It's been going on for a month. It's going to go on for another month. And that is we're giving away to someone a whole year's free subscription to Netflix Instant Play. Now, it's because we love movies and we're trying to share the love. And we imagine if our listeners want to get in on this, it's pretty easy to do so. You just got to like us on Facebook, sign up for our newsletter. I personally edit it together twice weekly. It's a bomb. It's a blast.
0: Occasionally, I do
1: put it together. But usually, you do. Yeah, and you'll get more into it in the future. But that's that's not the point. The point is, if I could get a year's worth of Netflix Instant Play, I so would. It's practically a commodity now. I mean, you're you're always going to be using it. And not only that, for just signing up once for the newsletter and liking us on Facebook, you really should anyway. But if you do, and if you win, you don't just get Netflix for a year. We're going to give you a brand new TV in that deal. You're going to get a 51-inch a LG HD 1080p LCD television. This is a gorgeous set. (laughs) A television,
0: people. We're trying to give you a television.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And we're trying to give you a television that's more than likely better than what you already have. And and I'm not saying you got to get rid of what you already have. I just want to, you know, give you something else. And this is a really good TV. And so, yeah. And and so the TV, Netflix for a year, people, you you just got to sign up. You just should. And, and and yeah, and you know maybe watch that new uh, copy of Dar- the Batman Dark Knight Rises on it.
0: That's right. And <laughs> let, let me uh, let me mention this too. Now, now here's here's one thing we're gonna have to change about that competition. The, t- the competition is not going away. Everybody who's already entered, you're still you're still entered with a chance to win. But our sponsor, uh, Liberty Alliance, uh, they want more entries than what we've got. Okay. Uh, I don't know exactly how many entries we've got we've only got two hundred and two likes on Facebook, so that's the maximum amount of entries we could have we gotta have more we gotta have a lot more. You need to tell your friends you need to tell everybody you know so that we can we can get a lot more entries into this competition so that was the uh the verdict from our sponsor who has bought this t v and is the one giving it away so uh make sure you tell people get people to come and uh sign up for that giveaway and why wouldn't they want to it's it's free so yeah, that's, and uh, that's thanks deal.
1: again so much for participating.
0: So uh, let me let me mention one more thing, uh, Joseph. We didn't talk about this, and I meant to talk to you about this. We need to put a cap also on on how many reviews we need to have uh, to to move forward with the giveaway. Because if we only get one review <laughs> on on our podcast, uh, we we may not want to give that away. So no,
1: we, yeah, of course not.
0: I, I think we should say we need at least Don't ten reviews. Don't want to hurt anybody's
1: feelings, but yeah. Don't you? How many? How ten. many? At least. Yeah, that, that's legit. But we'd
0: yeah, love okay. to have more than that. So get your friends to review us on iTunes as well.
1: Yeah. So. And hey, anyone who wants to go ahead and do it now, your odds are really great. Go ahead and get it in.
0: So those are our two competitions and that's what's going on with them.
1: Okay. All right. right so the first re- movie review here, Red Dawn.
0: Red Dawn. You haven't seen this one. You saw the old one. I saw the new one. Yes. And All uh, right.
1: I'm on You're, Pins and Needles. I mean, I read, I read your review, but I haven't talked about it with you as of yet. So I'm kind of curious. Um, you seemed very disappointed in the film.
0: I Yeah, I, I uh, again, I didn't have high. Say, I didn't but have, you seemed
1: disappointed. But why were you disappointed? What were your expectations?
0: I, I didn't have super high expectations. I expected it to be maybe a three or a three and a half star film. It wasn't like I was going in looking for a five star film or something. Uh, and I have not seen the original Red Dawn for whatever reason. I just never seen it. And, uh, so I didn't have it really any expectations, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad because I'm comparing it to the old movie or anything like that. Um, I'm just saying it was, it was not as great a film as I wanted it to be or what I thought it should have been. And, and part of that, part of that really, uh, you know, before we get into that, let me, let me, let me do this. The budget. Was sixty five million dollars. Uh, opening weekend uh, domestic uh, domestically, it only made fourteen million back. Right now, it's only at twenty three. It's not looking like it's going to make its money back, <laughs> and and for good reason. Um, IMDb rating is five point seven. The um, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes uh, have only only eleven percent have liked it. Eleven percent. Uh, and only 62% of the audience, which is pretty low from what I've found looking at Rotten Tomatoes, only only 62% have, uh, have enjoyed this film. So uh, I gave it, when I reviewed it, a two-star rating. Why is that? Uh, well, the first thing is, I was literally, and I do not joke, I do not jest, I was literally sick when I walked out of the theater because of the shaky cam. I was nauseous and dizzy. It was so bad. It didn't let up for an instant during any part of that film that I can remember. And I, I, you know, at first I thought, oh, it's going to be another one of those shaky cam movies. And, and it's not like I have – I don't remember ever getting sick in the theater before. And, and it, I wasn't sick the next day, and I didn't eat anything weird. So I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> all I can tell you is I was sick. It was so bad. And I am so sick of that. I'm so sick of that style. I, I just – I can't stand it anymore. Uh, I, I wrote in a review of Skyfall um, uh, that I appreciated the camera work so much. And and here's here's what I said about that in Skyfall, uh, the camera is there to capture the action, not to provide it, and that is what they were trying to do with Red Dawn. They threw away the good choreography and, and good storytelling, and just, just shook the camera around. That's what they did, um, and so that's in direct proportion to the uh, direct opposition to the review I wrote just previously, um, and uh, of Skyfall. So that was that was one thing that really just really took the quality of this movie down. Was was just how horrible the cinematography was. So, uh, yeah. What, what did else? you like about the film? Though? What did I like about it? Not a lot.
1: <laughs> really, I mean, uh, it has Chris Hemsworth in it?
0: That's true. That's true. Um, I did enjoy. I always enjoy Chris Hemsworth. I haven't. I haven't seen him in anything. I didn't enjoy him. And he did, he did a, a noble job, I, I will say that. Um, but the problem, uh, again, getting back to the problems, that was like, that's the only good thing I can say about the thing. The problem was that uh, Hemsworth, it's like he, it felt like he should have been the star and he wanted to be the star, but he wasn't. And, and the, 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 the story is really about uh, Jed Eckert, uh, who is played by Josh Peck. Um, he's the whiny little brother and it's, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be from what I can tell from the way the story unfolded, a coming of age story for this whiny kid. Uh, and it wasn't great.
1: <laughs> you know, Dan Bradley, the director, he is a stunt coordinator and a second unit director film, you know, filmmaker. Uh, he has worked on films like Independence Day, uh, Spider-Man two, Spider-Man three, the born supremacy, the born ultimatum. I think I could actually see a little bit of his work there. Uh, the uh, Superman Returns, Indiana Jones, and the Crystal Skull. Uh, I mean, sorry, the the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
0: Yeah, yeah, I knew what you meant.
1: Yeah. I didn't want anybody to correct me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Dan Bradley. Uh, yeah, this was his breakout into being the main director. And um, I think that... I appreciate the the effort if he put any effort into it. It's too bad to hear that it doesn't work because you know Red Dawn being a remake of this 1984 film that starred Patrick Swayze. Uh I was I was I was introduced to the original about a year ago and I I unexpectedly enjoyed the film. It's not a brilliantly well-produced fine work of art with good dramatic characters uplifting performances that you know captivate your your, your attention. Uh, but it was surprising what it did that was very novel and it was engaging considering a dated film to be sure, and a film that didn't have the best acting. Yet I really found the execution of the premise to be very intri- intriguing. Hmm. Um, the, even for a dated film like that. So I'm disappointed to hear that you didn't care too much about this film. I, I wanted to see it. It's starring Chris Hemsworth. It's got uh, Peta from you know the Hunger Games. I mean, come on. Oh yeah, Josh. It can't Hutcherson. be, it can't be yes. bad.
0: <laughs> well, so. I, I I think that actually I think uh, Josh Hutcherson is uh, a little bit of uh, a problem in the Hunger Games. Much as I love the Hunger Games, I don't think he's that great of an actor. Mm. So uh, yeah,
1: no, I I think that I think he's okay. Uh, real quick, just in case anybody wants to know more about the story, uh, do, do you mind if I read the uh, the synopsis here?
0: No, go ahead. I have a few more yeah, things yeah.
1: to say, but go okay. ahead. So yeah, uh, a little bit more about the story and a little bit less about the production qualities. Riddon is a, a 2012 American action war film directed by Dan Bradley and written by Jeremy Passmore, and. Carl Ellsworth, based on the 1984 film of the same name. In the film, a city in Washington state awakens to this real sight of foreign paratroopers dropping from the sky. Shockingly, the U.S. has been invaded and their hometown is the initial target there in Washington state. Uh, go figure. Uh, quickly and without warning, the citizens find themselves prisoners and their town under enemy occupation. Determined to fight back, a group of young patriots, teenagers mostly, seek refuge in the surrounding woods, separated from their family. And at least we said that that's how it was in the 1984 film. Uh, they train uh, themselves and organize themselves into a guerrilla group of fighters, taking inspiration from their high school mascot. They call themselves the Wolverines banded together to protect one another and liberate their town from its captors and take back their freedom. With that in consideration, something that I really appreciated about your review, as you pointed out, it just doesn't make sense why the U S government's military doesn't intervene in the crisis.
0: Where were they? What happened? Well, I mean, seriously, it's like, here's, here's the picture in the movie. Uh, the North Koreans invade, uh, you see all the guys coming down the paratroopers and and you know uh, one thing i, I didn't I, I didn't get around to mentioning in my review is all of a sudden these North Koreans have all kinds of army gear down on the ground, jeeps and things and you're you're wondering how they got there um, <laughs> in 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 uh, Washington but you've got all these guys coming down and and days and weeks go by, and where is the u s military we have for better or for worse, or for whatever, whatever you think, we do have a formidable military force that can be put into action pretty quickly. <laughs> Where were they
1: for an extended period of time? For an extended
0: right? period of time, like I could see, you know, we weren't prepared for the strike. One day, two days, maybe three days, but that's about it. That, after that, we're we're uh, we're sending those boys packing.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, you know, in the 1984 film, they addressed this a lot, and that was one of the things I thought that really worked about it was because, you know, this is 1980s, America's military was substantial then, but not like it is now, and the technology isn't where it is today, so it kind of worked, even if they had not gone to great lengths to explain why the U.S. military had not been able to protect that city or to save that city, in the in the 1984 version, it pays off it works that was one of the the convention the uh i want to say conventions uh plot points i thought that excelled in the original um it's not like something you need to go run out and watch it's not a you know earth shatteringly great film but it's got a cult following and i respect that i think it deserves it yeah and you said yes two out of five stars huh
0: yeah, two out of five. Uh, you know, one, one thing that I think may have really hampered this film is I think there's a lot of uh, considerations and studio interference going on. Uh, for one thing, this this film is a MGM film. MGM went bankrupt and emerged from bankruptcy, uh, as I said in the article uh, in the review, with a, a different company with different, co- different goals and different controlling interests. And some marketing eggheads realized that China is a pretty big market for American films. But North Korea? Well, not so much. so uh they changed the bad guys initially the bad guys were chinese and they changed the bad guys from chinese to north korean uh and 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 i think making the bad guys chinese while while still not solving all the problems would have been a little more believable you know because um they're a lot they got a lot more people they're a lot bigger i mean north korea is 25 million people and i i just looked these stats up forgive me i can't remember what they were but but uh, we, we got a lot more people than that. We're much bigger than that, than they are. <laughs> not that that, not that little nations can't come and, and, and take, you know, do some crazy things. I mean, you know, look at Germany. But at the same time, this just didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense at all.
1: Hmm. Um, I guess on that note, uh, it, yeah, America's wary, uh, even I guess Hollywood would be wary about offending their audiences. Yeah. In, in China. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess that that is a constant struggle. Now that movies are influenced by their international culture, uh, their international audiences, unlike the 1984 version, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see. I guess it's going to be somewhat inescapable for the time being. Uh, movies are go- inevitably to get more politically correct. Um, that that is a disappointment because on the one hand, I respect the fact that, um, these issues do matter to the real world. They sure, influence a lot more do. than the interests of the movie going audience and their p- personal pleasure at the same time. It's kind of like, well, for the sake of good cinema, it's too bad that it's going to be influenced by something that's obviously going to hamper the, uh, the quality of a good story on a- on occasion. Uh, but, oh, well, I guess we'll see where it goes. It's not like we really control the fates here.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, and uh, let me just read my conclusion at the end of the review. And, again, the review will be in the show notes, uh, so you can read the whole review. But my my conclusion is that it was an uninspired film. In the end, the film seems uninspired and unmotivated, and I have no idea what compelling story the filmmakers wanted to tell that warranted remaking this film. I wouldn't bother watching it in the theater if I were a general member of the audience. mm and that's how I feel about uh Red Dawn.
1: Yeah, too bad. They could have even made a sequel.
0: Yeah, I I, I given <laughs> given the numbers that we quoted earlier in the in the show, Joseph, I don't see a sequel happening. I can't <laughs> imagine a no. sequel happening. Yeah. So.
1: I don't know. Well, it, was there was there even a a cameo appearance of Patrick Swayze to make it worthwhile?
0: Uh no, not that I noticed.
1: Oh, okay. That's too bad.
0: All right. We need to we need to move on. Tell us about Life of Pi, Joseph.
1: Okay. Life Pie. I went into this movie on Saturday and I had, uh, previously that afternoon, I'd gone to see, uh, another movie again with my family. I wanted to introduce my kids to Rocket Ralph. And whenever you're a, you know, a, a movie reviewer, uh, you kind of like one trip to the theater, uh, once a week tops, to be honest. I mean, it's a little bit, uh, there's a lot involved going to go into the theater. Sure. Um, so yeah, when you go in <laughs> twice in one day, and you're just not inclined to do that. I'm not a movie junkie. I, I, I don't want to go to the theater more than once a week if I could help it. Uh, I like to think of myself as the the everyman when it comes to most um, trips to the theater. I, I go there to be with people and to see a great film. I, I don't want to see things that are unnecessary and uh, that I can wait for, for a, uh, a home entertainment release. I uh, felt that way going into Life of Pi. I wasn't sure about it. I wanted to see Rick and Ralph twice. I thought that was worth seeing twice and showing my kids the second time around. Um, Life of Pi, though, I wasn't going in to watch it with anybody like I typically do when I go to see a film for review sake. And I was pleasantly surprised early on in the viewing. And all the way through, I, I have to say, I was glad I saw this film if you're going to see this film, it's one worth seeing in the theater, even if you don't intend to own it. That if you were thinking to yourself, one or the other, do I catch it in theaters? Do I catch it at home? Um, This is one in a rare example that I think is worth seeing in theaters rather than for home entertainment. Because this film is so epic. There are brilliant shots. It's got some grand scenes and those cannot be as effective in home entertainment. So uh, real quick, let me tell you about the gist of the story. Life of Pi is an American adventure drama film based on Jan Martel's 1981 novel of the same name directed by Ang Lee, who, ought, uh, who also brought us Brookback Mountain. I
0: think it's Ang Lee.
1: Ang Lee. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I, I heard it pronounced Ang Lee. That's why I did. I heard it pronounced Ang Lee. Ong
0: Lee. I, it could be either one who knows. Okay. Anyway, no, no, sorry, no, no,
1: no offense to Lee. Uh, the film is based on an, an adapted screenplay by David Maggie. And uh, in the story, a young man by the name of Pai Patel uh, survives a disaster at sea and is hurtled into an epic journey of adventure and survival on a lifeboat uh, with a tiger. And while he's cast away, he forms that, uh, this unexpected connection with that tiger while they are on that lifeboat for the next 227 days at sea. Uh, so uh, the budget of the film it was 120 million. It came out on November 21st, opening weekend. It made 22 million back. Since then, the domestic has earned itself uh, 33 million, and worldwide it's got together 51 million.:
0: I've got a little ways to go.
1: yes uh that is an interesting struggle for a film like this
0: yeah now now joseph you uh you kind of had mixed uh feelings about this film maybe might be a good way to put it and you gave it three stars and you had some things you liked about it why don't you start with that
1: yeah yeah um on the whole this film is gorgeous you know like a film like avatar uh, or any film by james cameron uh this felt like it could have been a james cameron film in some respects it was just gorgeous uh the cinematography brilliant work with the camera. Uh, And because so many other films have great work with camera work, I I don't want to address that too much because that's not where Pi really stands out. This film stands out because it has a fairly original story for cinema. It's it's not much like anything you have seen in 2012. And because of that, it's very refreshing to see a story uh, quite like this one. Uh, Pi's story—it's about a—it's about a man reflecting on his life as a, as a young man, and uh, and you're you're vested in both Pi, the older man, retelling his story, and the young man that is Pi, and in both you find equally likable, which is rare for a film where you you see this character uh, as uh, as his older self and younger self relating his story. Uh, it's not very often I feel. Connected to both of them quite like I did in this one. Pi, older Pi, and younger Pi were both very um, masterful performances by, uh, I think their names pronounced race. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's see here. What are their names? Ah, I'm in a, a lot a loss here. Their names are kind of hard for me to pronounce because they're both uh, Indian uh, spellings. Um, so we'll just say, mm-hmm. please look them up. Look at my review; they're at the top paragraph. Um, so yes, uh, both great performers, and the one that was young, this actor, he he's never acted before. He was, he was discovered for this film and he really owns it. Nice. So kudos to him for an original performance that is riveting, but even more than the acting more than the great story premise, this film is a technical, uh, just a huge technical success. There are all kinds of zoo animals that you see throughout the film from the beginning to end. And, uh, I, I, I have not seen any uh, behind the scenes films as of yet pertaining to this movie, but I'm dying to see them now because uh, from what I understand, most of the performance of the Bengal tiger, which is, uh, plays a very key role, his, uh, he goes by the name Richard Parker in the film, Richard Parker, it has an incredible perform- performance and they did all kinds of things with this tiger that you've never seen in a film before because in most cases apparently he was CGI he was animated and and they sell it so well I never knew when I was looking at the real deal or the animated one nice and not only does he play a key role as a significant character but there were all these other animals there's one example where they, there's a, 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 a several um, high up in the sky, like in the treetops, camera angles pointed down to show a huge valley covered with mongoose, uh, mongooses. I guess they call mongoose.
0: Yeah,
1: lots and lots of mongoose um, animals, and they're covering <laughs> the the valley, but. They were they were probably all CG, and when you see them up close, when you see them at a distance, when you see them by the tens of thousands, they all look real. It was just mind-boggling what they did with not just these animals and the tiger, but with a hyena, a zebra, a giraffe, and on and on it went. The, every animal looked so realistic, and their performances were just brilliant. I really... Yeah, I just... I thought these special effects work here rivals Avatar.
0: Interesting. Okay, I've not seen Avatar either, so I don't know. I, I studiously avoided it. It just looks stupid. Mm. But I've I've heard good things about the special effects. Uh, so to say that it rivals it, uh, you know, that's that's saying something.
1: Yeah. Um. So my my disappointment. Uh, yeah, to, yeah. 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 Here to clarify, based solely on the artistry of Life of Pi, I think that this film would earn five stars. Um, based on how well it communicates a story, I would give it five stars. But there is a huge matter that, that just it doesn't work. It's, it's rather unfortunate whenever a film introduces a heavy dose of, uh, of mysticism um pi's story is heavily dependent on him trying to tell you a story that proves that god exists and he's also trying to relate to you what he believes in and that is pluralism Hmm. Uh, for for pi he's he's a very decent guy i i i I mean as a character he would be one i would love to meet and you know have a few conversations with about spiritual matters Uh, because pi seems to be a very thoughtful man but then, what he adheres to is pluralism, and this is essentially the belief that all the religions uh, ultimately worship the same God and get you to the same place. Right. So it doesn't matter if you're Muslim, Christian, Catholic, which you know, is arguably Christian, the um, Hindu, and so many others. But uh, pi at an early age uh, uh, joins the Muslim faith. He's raised Hindu. His father believes in science, which I guess means he's, he's an atheist. And so he, he adopts that view too. And he adopts all these others. And, the screenplay is very convincing in the moment with a vivid imagination. You can buy what he is describing. You almost feel like the hand of God is involved in this narrative, but at the same time, you got to recognize that in the real world where this film is supposed to be depicted and uh, for a grown man, like the pie uh, that is telling you his life story, you would expect him to know a little bit more about these religions because ultimately with a little bit of scholarly work and a little attendance to Sunday school, you would realize that the Muslim faith, the Hindu faith, uh, Catholicism, Judaism, and more are not technically reconcilable. And a lot of religious people would be frustrated uh, that they were, tr- they were trying to reconcile these in this particular school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and this is why, ultimately, it comes out as a whole religion unto itself, Pluralism is just a stand-alone religion that believes all religions are reconcilable when they're not. Therefore, re- pl- pluralism is distinct from all others in that it alone is willing and able to tolerate all others equally. Mm. All, of, all other religions don't do that. Um, so that's very frustrating for me as a Christian going in to see this film. I mean, look, I, I, I love a good film and I, I enjoyed Pi and I would like to see it again. I'd like to share it with a few other people, but I cannot say this movie it has a brilliant story. It has a, a, some of the best writing and yet it fails at such a critical key part of the story that is woven throughout the film from beginning to end. So much of this movie involves Pi telling you and demonstrating to you his relationship to God and what he believes in. But what he believes in, it just doesn't make all that much sense in the real world. And yet this film is trying to show itself as being extremely realistic and uh, akin to the real world. It wants to be as believable as possible to the naked eye. So, like I said here, uh, let me let me just uh go back to what, how I summed it up. Life of Pi is an excellent film to see for its gorgeous special effects, much like Avatar in that regard. If you do want to see it, uh, try to see it in IMAX and don't shy away from the three d version. I think that that would really work for life of Pi but at this and, and yeah, the movie almost makes it worth seeing in life of uh, in three uh, d I, I think it 's like the first time I would actually say. That if I went back to see it again, I'd actually Mm. want to see it in 3D. I I can't say it would make it worthwhile, but it's the closest thing to a movie that could. But at the same time, on the flip side, bottom line, if you cannot stomach the religious nonsense, which feels about as ridiculous as something as Alice in Wonderland, then this movie will disappoint you in the end.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds certainly like a film that if I do watch, I'll be catching it uh, on uh, home video.
1: So. Well, you do that.
0: It's interesting, yeah. though, that you say that you would recommend 3D. Uh, my uh, impression of 3D, the first time I saw, saw it was with Wreck-It Ralph, because I've avoided it as much as possible. And I finally said, well, all right, I should do this. Um, it wasn't that great. So, And you would think a movie like Wreck-It Ralph would do a really good job with 3D. And so I just assumed that the format was just no good.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I have to agree. Uh, some of my, I've had um, a couple of dozen experiences with 3D, uh, and there's been some examples where it was clearly worse than others. Uh, just a few times when I actually appreciated it, but those were just at moments in a film like uh, the movie Up by Pixar. I enjoyed it at times, but I didn't enjoy it consistently throughout. Right, and same way with Rocket bracket round. Yeah. And about the worst experience I've ever had with 3D is one of my favorite uh, recent films, Tron Legacy. I just felt like they it, it had no business trying to be a 3D film. Um, but yeah, that said, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't recommend that you, uh, if you tend to just dislike 3D in general... Yeah, don't don't go out on a limb to try and see this in 3D. I know it gives a lot, a lot of people headaches, and it bothers their eyes, and that like me. it's totally understandable.
0: I, I do want to clarify, uh, when I said that I did not enjoy at all Wreck-It Ralph in 3D, I did not mean to say I didn't enjoy Wreck-It Ralph, just, uh, in case you missed the podcast where I heaped loads of praise on it. Um, no,
1: no, 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 no. Everybody <laughs> listening to this episode has already heard that one too, TJ.
0: Okay, just just, just making sure. <laughs> okay. uh, but I, I wrote an article about uh, 3D, which I'll put in the show notes as well. Dimensions, I called it. And uh, yeah, 3D seems like a gimmick to me. So it, I, anyway, I just, I find it interesting that you're saying that 3D is well done here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So
0: anyway, well, I think that kind of wraps up uh, what we had to talk about.
1: Oh, 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 uh, and, and, uh, I wanted to add, I'm just going to go on and uh, tell you and the audience, this is going to be a little bit of a fun surprise. Okay. Okay, yeah, so uh, Movie bite is a podcast, and we have a, another podcast on moviebite.com right now, which is uh, The Wrap. It's a weekend wrap-up of all the movie news and uh, uh, opinions that we have for the site. We're going to be coming out with another podcast, and TJ, you knew that. I did know but- that you've known for a long time that we've been trying to get that thing launched and we haven't been able to because finding the right time to to get it uh, off the runway with our new hosts for that show has been difficult to give the, for them to find the time and for us to find the right movies that would uh, pertain to their topics that they're going to explore. Come to
0: the point, man.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, pass the old minutiae. Movieology is coming back as a podcast. It's going to come back this month. And episode one of the Movieology podcast is going to be a discussion of Life of Pi. And to boot, one of the, uh, the hosts is uh, Michael Menkoff, who was one of the, uh, the guest uh, hosts for Movieology's uh, web show that I hosted a year ago. And everybody loves Michael Minkoff. He's a brilliant uh, movie reviewer, and I, he's so articulate and he's so in depth. And I love listening to him. He's he's so fun, and he personalizes it all. But while at the same time offering all kinds of insights into films that you just you would never, never otherwise get. But he's not just watching the movie. I got him hooked on the movie. So he's, re- he's reading the book and he was telling me some of his thoughts about the book and you're not going to want to miss those. You'll be talking about the book along with the movie and his in-depth analysis on the movieology show. And I cannot wait for, for people to get that.
0: Awesome. Do we have a date of when they're going to record and when we're going to post it?
1: I, I don't have a date for its release. We'll continue to give you updates as they come. I am 90% sure it'll be uh, public before Christmas.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Uh, I think that wraps up everything that uh, we were going to talk about. Um, the, we do want to mention just briefly again uh, our competition. Uh, first of all, please go rate the podcast on iTunes and leave a review, and you will be entered to uh, win a drawing for the Dark Knight Rises on Blu-ray. Uh, the review has to be four or five stars. Uh, it can't be less than that, so that's how you'll get entered. And uh, that will help us to get the podcast out there. And in the eyes of the general public, we need to get more... People subscribing to the podcast, so and it's a fun opportunity to win The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, who doesn't want that? I want that, and I wish I could enter the contest, but I can't. <laughs> so, uh, and what we'll do, uh, what we'll do is we will draw. Uh, we'll look at your the username that you leave on the iTunes review, and then we will uh, put those all in a hat, draw one out, a virtual hat, and we'll draw one out. And then because we can't see more than the username, we will announce who the username is in the next podcast and ask you to get in touch with us. And then we'll get your information and send you the Blu-ray. And then, of course, the other competition is our TV giveaway. And uh, as I mentioned before, Liberty Alliance is the one that's doing the giveaway, and uh, they're sponsoring that. And uh, they are the owners of the website, and they're trying to get uh, get a lot more followers. We need a lot more people to be interested in Movie Byte. And we've only had uh, like 180 entries into the giveaway. And uh, so they're extending the contest to the end of December uh so we need more entries so tell your friends get more people to enter uh and uh, that will help us out a lot and uh so the tv giveaway and the competition giveaway for the dark knight rises on blu-ray and uh that's it
1: next so week TJ. yes yeah go ahead no go ahead we're <laughs> you were about
0: up. to ask me that weren't you mm-hmm. stupid skype delay all right next week uh we're going to be reviewing Rise of the Guardians uh, because that is actually out in theaters now. We just can't see all these movies all at once. But we're gonna next week. We're gonna do Rise of the Guardians and, uh, apropos to nothing, uh, we're going to review Men in Black Three because I didn't get a chance to see that and I wanted to. So I'm gonna I'm gonna catch it uh, via iTunes, uh, probably on my Apple TV, and then we're gonna talk about it.
1: Well, yeah, same here. I haven't seen it either, so I'm looking forward to both of these.
0: And. Sooner or later, we're going to review Hitchcock if it'll ever come out for a wide release. Uh, so anyway, that's sort of irritating, but uh, all right. It we is got, it uh, is.
1: That's movies. That's the show business. That's
0: it. All right. Well, Joseph, where can people uh, keep up with you online?
1: Yeah, I'm available on Twitter. My uh, uh, username is Joseph Darnell. You can also get to me at my personal site. It's jivingjackalope.com. And I'm also on Facebook. Just go to Josephdarnell.com and that will take you to my profile.
0: All right, I'm also on Twitter. I am TJ Draper Pro. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook facebook.com/tj Draper. Uh, I do have a website and I want you to go and tell people about that as well because I'm looking for uh, all the work I can get. Uh, I do uh, film editing, design work, uh, website design. That's buzzingpixelcreative.com. And, of course, Joseph and I are posting, uh, mostly me every day, but Joseph is uh, uh, posting as well on MovieByte.com. So make sure you uh, head over to MovieByte every day and check it out. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, to talk about movies some more. All right. Thanks, Joseph.
1: It was a great show. Thanks, TJ. Good night.